deals with this great subject of justification by faith, Martin Luther's favourite book for that reason. There's three parts to it. Uh, The first part is the defence of justification by faith in the face of all the uh, other false teachings in chapters 1 and 2. Chapters 3 to 4 gives the explanation of it, and then the last two chapters, 5 and 6, give an application. So it's a a good book for us to study. And tonight we're looking at Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through to 5. Just a, a short little passage here. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit? Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Please keep your Bibles open there. We'll just have a little look at this. I wonder if you're like me and one of those people who sometimes has that terrible thing happen where you forget your keys, you lose your keys. Well, if you're, if you're a sort of person who does forget their car keys, where they've put them, wonder where they've put them, I've got two good pieces of, uh, of news for you tonight. First of all, key rings that actually double up as earrings, so uh, that way you won't forget where you put them down. But even more impressive is a, a new device made by Microsoft. It's a part of their special smart glasses uh, range, and it's called a HoloLens. And the idea of the HoloLens, it has many functions, amazing things. It shows doctors where to operate while they're wearing them and helps mechanics be able to repair things. It's amazing. But uh, they also have a photographic memory of things. So as you're wearing them and you forget where you put down your keys, if your keys are under a newspaper on the coffee table, it'll help you locate them very quickly. What an amazing thing that is. And uh, it would be great, except for the fact that I'd probably forget where I put my HoloLens and <laughs> be back to square one. But you know, we often have trouble with our memories, don't they? And uh, they reckon that something like 14 to 16% of us, it's not uncommon for us to forget even where we parked our car. It's just up the road <laughs> okay, tonight after the service and we go looking for our car. And uh, we're not sure where we've put things. I even saw a cartoon recently of two elephants walking along and one saying on to the other, you know, I have to use a memory stick these days. Uh, uh, memory loss and memory for absence is something that can happen to us all. But what happens when it's malicious? What happens when your memory has been taken away as a malicious act by another or an act of uh, a defence? If you've ever seen the film Men in Black, you remember the men in black have what I call a memory eraser, a pen which after you've seen the aliens who've come from space and everything and they've come to interview, please sir, would you just look in here and it erases your memory so you forget all about it and uh, it keeps government secret secret. Same uh, in the Incredibles 2 film where uh, uh, 
Rick, the, uh, the man who works for the government, after people find out about the superheroes, he has to erase their memories and uh, they then forget all the things they've seen uh, about the superheroes. Well, that's, that's fine in a film, it's a bit of fun. But you know what? In real life, there were some people who were very keen on erasing the memory of God's people. And that was the false teachers who came to Galatia, the Judaizers. And this was something that had happened to the church, which was in that part of Turkey, uh, where Galatia was in those days. And Paul was writing to them about their spiritual amnesia. The fact that they had forgotten and had their memory erased of important things by false teaching. He says in verse 1, O foolish Galatians. That's a phrase he says again in verse 3 as well. And it's not unkind. It's like the Lord Jesus said to the disciples on the road to Emmaus. O foolish and slow of heart to believe. Or like Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 to the, uh, to the man. O foolish one in, in the one who doubted the resurrection. Paul says, oh foolish, unwise Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? They were turning away from the true gospel because they had been bewitched. And that word there in uh, the Greek is a word which is used for a snake which actually seems to mesmerize a bird or a creature it's going to attack. So the, the, the creature is fascinated and then it strikes and it attacks it. And this is what the false teachers had done. The uh, New Bible Commentary by IVP says that this was actually a term that was used of orators, great orators. It was said that their speaking was magic because they could bewitch people and they could change their thinking. And this is what Paul said had happened to the church at Galatia. Somebody had come in. Who had come in? Well, Paul knew who it was. It was the false teachers, the Judaizers. And they had come in and they had erased their memory of foundational truths so that they were then in a place to follow the false teaching rather than stick with the true uh, doctrines of the Christian faith. And what, is, what we, we see here in these verses is that they forgot four very important things. They forgot how they were saved. They forgot how they were spirit-filled. They forgot how they were sanctified. That means becoming more like Jesus. And they forgot how they had already suffered for the gospel. These four things uh, left them in a vulnerable state. So Paul reminds them again uh, in rhetorical questions of these things as he challenges them about it. And I'd like us just to have a look at this tonight so that we also don't suffer spiritual amnesia. Some of you may remember Alexander Solzhenitsyn, the, uh, the uh, Russian philosopher. And he says in one of his writings that he remembers more than half a century ago, while I was still a child, I recall hearing a number of older people offer the following explanation for the great disasters that had befallen Russia. Men have forgotten God. That's why this has happened. Since then, I've spent well nigh 50 years working on the history of our revolution. If I were asked today to formulate as concisely as possible the main course, uh, cause of the ruinous revolution that swallowed up some 60 million of our people, I could not put it more accurately than to repeat, 
Men have forgotten God. That's why all this has happened. It's a serious thing when we forget the things God has done for us. And we want to make sure that we don't fall into that same trap. So let's see these four things for ourselves. First of all, they had forgotten how they were saved. In verse 1, Paul says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. As strange as it seems, it seems that the the disciples at Galatia had forgotten that they were saved not by their doing, but by the Lord Jesus dying. They seem to have forgotten that because the false teachers had led them back to a pathway of trying to keep the law of God, the law of Moses in the Old Testament, to earn their salvation from God and he says to them you know you before your eyes Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified that word portrayed there is the Greek word prographio which means to publicly display hold up something it was used in the ancient world of, uh, of public notices. If the Roman government wanted an official statement put out, uh, like sometimes you saw in the old cowboy films where they put up wanted posters everywhere for people who look just like that, okay, uh, they would make a public announcement and proclaim things all over the town by these big posters. Well, Paul says that Christ was publicly crucified among you. So you could say, we say, how, how was that possible? Because they lived in Galatia, and this was long after Jesus died on the cross. Well, it was by two means. It was by Paul's preaching, whereby he lifted up Christ Jesus, crucified for sinners, and risen again. And it was also by the breaking of bread. Because when we break bread and we take the wine, we portray the cross. This is a public portrayal. We proclaim his death till he comes, as you read there, heard there this morning. And Paul says, you've forgotten. Christ, Jesus Christ was crucified for you and he bore your sins so you could be saved. Uh, Chrysostom uh, said it like this in very powerful words. He blames them because having seen Christ stripped, crucified, nailed, spat on, mocked, Drinking vinegar, insulted by thieves, pierced with a spear. They have forsaken this man and run back to the law, showing no awareness of Christ's sufferings. And that's the truth. That's what had happened. They had forgotten. And I want to say, dear friends, that sometimes that is possible for us as well. The hymn writer knew that so well, that's why he said, tell me the old, old story of Jesus and his cross. And verse 2 says, tell me the story often, for I forget so soon. The early dew of morning has passed away at noon. Another hymn writer said, lest I forget Gethsemane, lest I forget thine agony, lest I forget thy love for me, Lord lead me to Calvary. And we need to be careful that we don't forget how we are saved. We're saved by the work of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. When he died there for our sins, he paid for the price of all that we've done wrong so we can be forgiven by his death and his punishment in our place. And in turn, we can receive his righteousness given to us 
by faith. If you go back to chapter 2 verse 20, Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The Lord Jesus did that for us. And we need to hold that in our memory. I love that story about King, uh, Prince Edward VII. Prince uh, Eighth, sorry, Prince of Wales, who was visiting uh, uh, a military camp, and he had been asked if he would go around all the wounded and see them and uh, uh, and, and visit at their bedsides, which he which he was glad to do. But at the end of the tour of the of the medical camp, he said, "Is there anybody else?" And they said, "No, you've seen just about everybody." He said, "Well, what do you mean, just about everybody?" He said, well, there is someone, sir, but you wouldn't want to see him. He's so badly wounded. He's horrific to look at. He's very disturbing, and it would upset you to see him. And the prince said, I want to see him. And they took him into a tent where the man was actually being kept on his own in solitary confinement. The man was so badly wounded from the war. And the prince got down on his knees, held his hand gently, and said, thank you for being wounded for me. You know, that's what we need to do as far as the Lord Jesus Christ is concerned, isn't it? We need to say, thank you, Lord Jesus, for being wounded for me. Thank you for paying for my death on the cross. You see, you and I have that problem that we easily forget how we're saved. You say, well, when do I forget it? You'll forget it on your good days. You'll forget it on your good days because you'll go around feeling so chuffed with yourself. You'll forget that you're saved by the precious blood of Christ alone. You know, the Lord convicted me this week. I was reading the book of Job, and Eliphaz condemned Job, and he said, is not your integrity your hope? Is not your reverence your confidence? And I thought, whoa, ashamed. You know, sometimes when we're having a good day, isn't that how we feel? You know, our confidence is in our self-righteousness. We'll forget this, we're saved by this. But we'll forget it not only on our good days, we'll forget it on our bad days too. Because we'll forget that, oh no, I can't be a Christian because I've done so many wrong things, Jesus can't save me. Listen, he died to save sinners. He didn't die to save good people. He died to save sinners. And if if you're a sinner and trusting in Christ, then this is the way of salvation. I bless God for John Newton, the hymn writer. But do you know John Newton, at the end of his life, suffered from memory loss? And he really struggled with memory loss. But he said, I can still remember two things. Number one, I'm a great sinner. And number two, the Lord Jesus is a great saviour. If you can remember that, you've got the gospel. So they needed to remember how they were saved because that's the first thing that they had forgotten. Secondly, they'd forgotten how they were spirit-filled because in verse 2, Paul talks to them uh, about this, this very matter. He says, this only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? And then he says the same sort of thing in verse 5. He says, therefore, he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Now, it seems that they had forgotten how they had received the Holy Spirit at conversion, that they received him 
by faith. By faith. It seems that the false teachers in Galatia, the Judaizers, were coming in and saying things to them like, of course, you know, if you want to be a kosher vessel, using language of the law, then you've got to be a kosher-keeping Christian. And then the Holy Spirit will come into you. And he was trying to encourage them, they were trying to encourage them into, false, into Judaism to be uh, vessels that the Holy Spirit could fill. But Paul says to them, no, look, you receive the Holy Spirit not by keeping the law, but by the hearing of faith. And he challenges them, did you not receive him this way? He said, I want to learn from you. Did you not? And he answered his question because he knew that they would remember that that is exactly what had happened. When they trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit came into their hearts. And by the way, I can say exactly the same thing. I knew I was saved and I, I was trusting, I trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit came into my life. And that's how a person becomes a Christian and how a person is spirit-filled, by faith, by trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if we grasp that, it'll save us today from two mistakes that are common in Christianity. It'll keep us from the mistakes of the charismatics and it'll keep us from the mistakes of the cessationists. Two mistakes uh, that there are here. The mistakes of the charismatics are that there is a technique to being filled with the Holy Spirit. When I was growing up, we were told you had to have your hand, had hands laid on you. And when somebody laid hands on you, then you'd receive the Holy Spirit. And uh, that's what we, we thought, that's how you receive the Holy Spirit. But Paul says here, it's by the hearing of faith. <laughs> That's how. It's not by any works of man. It's by the hearing of faith. Now somebody's going to say to me, ah, oh, but hang on a minute. Isn't that what happened in the book of Acts? Yes, it happened that way on two occasions in the book of Acts. It happened with the Samaritans and it happened with the disciples of John the Baptist. Now what is significant about those two groups? The significance of those two groups is they were both in danger of becoming separate entities, religious Christian sects on their own. You see, the Jews and the Samaritans had a long-running hatred of each other, didn't they? You remember the parable of the Good Samaritan, how the Lord Jesus used the Samaritan surprisingly as the good guy in that parable. And he did it to shock them because the Jews and the Samaritans have no dealings with each other. Well, the danger was when the Samaritans received the gospel that they were going to be a Samaritan church and have nothing to do with the, Jew, Jer, uh, the Jews uh, from Jerusalem. And so the Lord made it that to receive the Holy Spirit, they had to send for the apostles from Jerusalem to come up and lay hands on them. And that was the only way they could receive the Holy Spirit from Peter, James and John who came up. And the Jews at Jerusalem had to receive the Samaritans too. And it was God's wonderful way of bringing those two groups together. You say, well, what about the disciples of John the Baptist in, uh, in Acts chapter 19? Well, there's another situation there where it was possible for those men to become a a group that wouldn't recognise other Christians. Now, let me ask you, who was it who laid hands on the disciples of John the Baptist? Anyone remember? Acts chapter 19? It was the Apostle Paul. 
And when he found some disciples of John the Baptist in Ephesus, he asked them if they had received the Holy Spirit or not, and they said they hadn't even heard there was a Holy Spirit, so he laid hands on them to receive it. Why is it significant it was Paul? Because if it had been any of the other disciples, Peter, James and John, they also had formerly been disciples of John the Baptist before they'd turned to the Lord Jesus. Paul hadn't. Paul hadn't. Paul was converted later. And so by means of that, God was saying to these disciples of John the Baptist, now don't get it in your head that if you're going to be a Christian, you've got to go around telling people they've got to have John's baptism first and they've got to be a disciple of John, then they become a Christian. Because Paul wasn't a Baptist, uh, a, a follower of John the Baptist. And uh, you received the Holy Spirit through them. So those were the two exceptions to that rule. And the, the error of the charismatics that you have to have hands laid on you to receive the Holy Spirit is a mistake. Paul says to the Galatians, they received it by the hearing of faith. They put their trust in the word, in the word of God, as they trusted in the Lord, the Holy Spirit came into them at conversion. But it also keep us from the error of the cessationists, I believe, as well. Because if you look in verse 5, it was not only something that happened in the past, it was something that was continuing to happen. Because Paul says, therefore he who supplies, not supplied, but supplies the Spirit to you, and works, not worked, but works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? You see, the first verse told us about how they received him in the beginning. This verse tells us how they went on receiving the work of the Spirit. And it was exactly the same. It was by faith. So they had forgotten that and they were in danger of going back to that old way uh, of trying to please God by the keeping of the law, even to receive the Holy Spirit. And I hope, dear friends, that we're not going to fall into those mistakes as well. We receive the Holy Spirit by faith. And we go on receiving and walking in his power by faith in the church today. Let's make sure we don't forget that precious truth as well. Then thirdly, they'd forgotten how they were sanctified. And this is in verse 3. And he says here, Are you so foolish, having begun in the spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Now, what does it mean to be sanctified? It means to be made like the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I heard of a, a lady who was uh, 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 trying to lose weight, serious, had, had a serious weight issue. She went to the doctor and the doctor did an interesting thing. He got a mirror out, a tall, long mirror, and uh, he got a, 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 a board marker and he drew the figure of the lady that she wanted to be on the mirror and took off a few pounds and made it slimmer. And he said, we're going to work together so you become that lady. When the lady saw the figure on the she said, that's what I want. I'm going to do it. Now, that's what the Lord does with us in the word. He shows us what he wants to make us. He wants to make us like Jesus. He sets before us Christ and he says, I want to make you like the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's what's going to happen to us after we've become Christians. When you get saved, God isn't finished with you. He's just starting. (laughs) He's got a plan to make you like the Lord Jesus. And he wants to transform you into the image of Christ. 
Oswald Chambers said, sanctification is allowing the perfections of the Lord Jesus to express themselves in human personality. But this isn't done by the works of the flesh. This isn't done by the works of the law. This is what uh, the Galatians were in danger of going back to. Instead, it is done by the Holy Spirit. And Paul says to them, are you foolish, so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, when you started your Christian life, trying to, to, to let the Holy Spirit change you into the likeness of Jesus? Have you now gone away from that, back to trying to be sanctified by keeping the works of the law? See, they'd gone back to keeping this list of commandments and ceremonial washings and all the things of Judaism to try and get themselves sanctified and holy. And they were trying to do now in the flesh what could only be done by the Spirit of God. And I want to say this to you, dear friends. I wonder tonight whether or not I'm talking to people who are Christians, who are good Christians, and you're trying to be sanctified, but you're trying to be doing it by the flesh. You're trying to do it by the things that you are uh, are trying to bring about rather than seeking to bring it about through the help of the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you, you'll never do it. Never do it. It's a trap so many Christian authors and writers and preachers fall into. We read of technique books, how to do this and how to do that. And you get the impression in modern Christianity there's a technique for everything. You know, if you've got a a, a particular problem, what you need is an accountability partner. What you need is a special program on your computer. What you need is this, that and the other. What we need is the power of the Holy Spirit inside us. That's the only way to be sanctified. Heard about a man who went to, the doc, went, to his, uh, went to his pastor and he said, Pastor, I've, uh, I've been a Christian for a long time and I've got all these problems that keep coming up in my life. He said, can you help me with them so I never do them again? And his pastor said, yes, I can. He said, but I'll have to kill you first. <laughs> now, his point was right. Because you see, you and I are always going to battle with sin in this life. There will always be a stumbling, there will always be a battling, there will always be something that we'll do wrong. But what we need is the help of the Holy Spirit inside to make us like Jesus. There's nothing else that can do it. That's why Paul says in chapter 5 of the book of Galatians, verse 16, I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That is the secret to sanctification in the Christian life. And actually I would say this, Alan and I were talking about the book of Galatians when he was doing some studies in it some time, and uh, we talked about it, and the conclusion we came, the book of Galatians is just as much about sanctification as it is about justification, and how we are sanctified by the work of the Spirit and God's power. And I want you to take encouragement from that. You know, we can't do it ourselves. I forgot to put this picture on, so I hope you'll forgive me. But I I read of something called the Ironman Triathlon. The Ironman Triathlon. Now, triathlon is uh, 2.4 miles to swim. It's a 112-mile bike ride, and it's a a 26.2-mile run at the end. Pretty amazing just to be able to do that on, the, on your own. 
the Ironman Triathlon. But a man in America by the name of Dick Hoyt, he participated in that race and he completed it with his physically disabled son, Rick. What an amazing thing. When Dick swam, he pulled Rick in a small boat. As if it wasn't hard enough already, but he pulled him in a small boat. When Dick cycled, Rick was in the seat on the bike next to him. When Dick ran, he pushed along a wheelchair in which Rick was sat. And he himself finished the race because his dad did it for him. Can you see the point of that for this, what I'm saying today? You and I are like a disabled person. There's no way on earth we can do it. We don't have the power in ourselves to live the Christian life. Somebody said the Christian life has not been found difficult. It's been found impossible. We can't live up to the standard of perfection Christ sets. So we need the Holy Spirit to help us. And I would urge you, therefore, Christian friend, to every day ask the Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit. I have no other way to be able to live the Christian life except I'm in your strength and power. I have no other way to conquer these sins. No other way to live righteously for God except in the power of the Holy Spirit. And spend time seeking the Lord in an earnest way for that. And give time for the work of the Spirit. You know, it's called the fruit of the Spirit. And fruit doesn't grow in a hurry, does it? It takes time to grow. I I read this from a a book. It says, uh, in the book Overcomers Through the Cross, Bill Hymer, he says, an unripe apple is not fit to eat, but we should not therefore condemn it. It is not yet ready for eating because God is not done making it. It is a phase of its career and good in its place, but it's still in development. And you know what? Some of us are not quite ready yet to get to heaven because the Lord is still working on our character. He's fitting us to he- for heaven to live with him there, as the hymn says. So he's going to work in us still a bit longer by his spirit. Let's keep praying for his power to be unleashed more and more in us uh, in answer to our prayers. Finally, we see here that they had forgotten how they had suffered And this is verse 4. He says this rhetorical question. Have you suffered so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain. I came across a a book recently that was full of fascinating things. I I collect everything you can imagine for trying to get inspiration for children's talks. And I came across a book of fascinating things. And in it was a story of a lady from China... Uh, In 2007, a Chinese grandmother, she went to the doctors uh, with headaches, severe headaches that had been making her unwell for 64 years. She had severe headaches and uh, they did uh, an x-ray on her and they found she had a bullet in her head and they removed the bullet from her head and she was healed. And it turned out that when she was just 13 years old, her father uh, was shot by a, she was shot, sorry, she was taking her father his lunch when he was a soldier and she was shot by a Japanese infantryman. And as a result, she had that bullet lodged in her head. Now, when I read that, I couldn't help thinking, how, how 
could you live with that for 64 years? How do you feel? Oh, yeah, forgot about that. Yeah, you know, got shot in the head. How do you forget something as major as that? But for years, she lived with it, and it, it, it blended into her past. Well, something like that was happening with the people at Galatia. When they became Christians, they suffered terribly for Christ's sake. They suffered terribly for the sake of the cross. They suffered terribly because they left false religion and turned to the Lord. And now they've forgotten about all that. And now they're going off after Judaism, false religion again. And Paul says to them, have you suffered so many things in vain? You know, have you forgotten all that you suffered in the past for the sake of following the truth? And he calls them back to their senses. Dear friends, I wonder sometimes if we forget how much we've already been through. You know, we sing that hymn, don't we? Through many dangers, toils and snares, I have already come. (laughs) And I look out across the congregation on Sunday morning and I I see a, a sea of different people's journeys. I have a little idea of some of your lives, what you've been through, and it's amazing. And we've come through so much, haven't we? Why would we go off after? So why would we forget that? Why would we avoid persecution for the sake uh, of the cross when we've already been through so much for Jesus? Think of Pilgrim's Progress. When Christian was, got through the valley of the shadow of death, he turned around and looked behind him. He saw it all behind him. But he was more concerned about what was ahead and pressing on. Dear friends, it's good sometimes to look back and to be encouraged that we've come so far and to keep going and not forget how far we've come. I used to, when I was a younger boy, as a teenager, I used to be into SAS books. There was a spate of them that came out, you know, uh, after the Gulf War. And it became very popular for the SAS soldiers to write up their biographies, autobiographies. And I remember reading one about a guy who went through his, his training after initial military training, went through the SAS training. And he said it was brutal. But he said he kept going and kept going and kept going. But the hardest thing of all was when they did the interrogation training. What if you're caught in a prisoner of war and they put you through interrogation? And he said, they treated me like they would, uh, another uh, country would treat a prisoner of war from a secret service. He said, it was brutal. At every moment, I wanted to give up and say I quit. But there was just one problem. If I quit now, all that I'd already been through was a total waste of time and suffering. I'd come this far already. I was going to make it through to the end. That's what Paul's saying. Don't forget how far you've come. Stay with the Lord and walk on with him. Don't go back now, having come so far. So dear Christian friend, maybe you're suffering from a little bit of spiritual amnesia tonight. If so, take in this lesson from the church to the Galatians, uh, the letter to the Galatians. And remember how you were saved. You're saved by the cross work of Christ alone. Go home trusting in that tonight. You're spirit filled by faith, not by some act of Uh, a mechanical obedience or technique of men. You're sanctified by the Spirit, not by the law. And how much you've suffered, don't forget that, that you may keep going on with the Lord Jesus Christ. He's brought you this far. 
he'll take you safely to the end. Don't forget these things. And most of all, important of all, don't forget him. We're going to 